Welcome to the Capital Beach Podcast. My name is Derek Brockbank. I'm the Executive Director of American Shore and Beach Preservation Association, and I'm the host of the Capital Beach. On today's podcast, we are going to be diving into one specific issue, uh, and that's really involving two pieces of legislation. The Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act, uh, frequently called GOMESA, which passed in 2006, and legislation that is working its way through Congress right now called the Coastal Act, which would amend GOMESA. We've got a couple of great guests lined up for this podcast. We're actually going to be interviewing three different guests. The first is going to be former Senator Mary Landrieu from the state of Louisiana. Our second guest is going to be Director Joe Spragans, who is the director of the Department of Marine Resources for the state of Mississippi. And the third guest calling in is going to be Commissioner Connie Hudson, who's a county commissioner for Mobile County in Alabama. So we're going to be looking at these issues from a federal perspective, a state perspective, and then finishing with a local perspective. Uh, Really excited to speak to all these guests. They all bring different perspectives and insights into GOMESA and what the bill does and how it impacts coastal communities in their respective states. But before we dive into the interviews, let me give a quick background on GOMESA. Um, We are fortunate to have Senator Landrieu, who helped author the original bill, and she'll get into the history of it. But in real quick synopsis, GOMESA essentially says that funding from offshore oil drilling in the Gulf of Mexico, in the oil drilling producing states in the Gulf of Mexico, so that's Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi, some of that funding, a portion of that funding, would come back to those states specifically to be used for coastal restoration, coastal education, and coastal resilience. And so we'll hear from uh, our state and local guests how that money is being used in Mississippi and in Mobile County. One thing to note about GOMESA is it is somewhat controversial. There is support for it within the conservation community and opposition to it within the conservation community. Uh, My organization, ASBPA, does support GOMESA. We believe that any offshore energy production should result in funds going to coastal conservation in the the nearby states. So whether that's offshore uh, wind power in the Northeast or, or elsewhere, or whether it's offshore oil and gas drilling, the revenues generated from that production should go back to coastal conservation. But there are concerns, um, namely in that if you're tying conservation funding to oil and gas extraction, which is inherently going to be uh, contributing to climate change and thereby hurting coastal communities, there's sort of a, a connection there that perhaps is, creates perverse incentives to uh, continue to harm your coast in order to continue to benefit your coast. And so we'll talk about that today. All three guests are strong supporters of GOMESA and of increasing the funding that would be going towards conservation. But I do hope um, we'll have a chance to talk about that that other side and sort of why why people consider this consider GOMESA potentially problematic. And if you're uh, listening to this episode and, and don't have a position or even have historically opposed GOMESA, I encourage you to keep an open mind, hear what our guests have to say. And and if you still feel like GOMESA is probably not a good bill, then, you know, you're certainly welcome to that opinion. It's a, like many pieces of legislation, it's not a clear cut answer. Sometimes what we want to do to support the environment can have adverse impacts. But we believe, I believe, and all our guests believe that in the end, it makes more sense to make sure that funding for uh, that funding generated from offshore energy production is tied to coastal restoration and the areas that are most directly impacted by that energy. 
production. So with that, I will uh, introduce Senator Mary Landrieu, or former Senator Mary Landrieu. She was a senator for a number of years from Louisiana throughout uh, both Hurricane Katrina as well as the Gulf uh, oil spill, the BP oil spill, and has been a longtime advocate for funding for Gulf Coast restoration. And so uh, looking forward to talking with her. Thank you so much for joining me today, Senator Landrieu. Well, thank you for having me. This is one of my favorite subjects to talk about, so thank you for asking. Well, you have been a, a longtime champion of funding for the Gulf of Mexico and Gulf of Mexico restoration. We're talking about GOMESA today, um, and you were sort of there at the start. So can you tell us a little bit about how uh, GOMESA got originally started? Well, it's a landmark piece of legislation that stands for the Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act, and it was actually an outgrowth of an earlier effort by a great coalition that we called CARA, Conservation and Reinvestment Act, was a bill that I introduced within the first year or two of my arriving in the United States Senate. I was elected in 1997, and so we introduced the bill about two years after that, CARA, uh, and it was introduced to present an idea to Congress that money that was Drilled money that was sent to the federal government by drilling offshore Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama should be shared with those Gulf Coast states and the rest of the country. CARA had a third for sharing with the Gulf, a third for all other coastal states, whether they drilled or not, and a third for funding the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And we had over 5,000 organizations, from the Sierra Club in California to the Chamber of Commerce in Washington, D.C. It was a phenomenal coalition. One day a book should be written about it. It passed the House of Representatives by 318 votes. It would have been mandatory funding. Uh, we also had a provision in there as the bill moved along to dedicate some of these offshore revenues to a wildlife, um, which is very popular, as you know, in our states, all states. Mm -hmm. That bill failed. The sad story was at the last minute, it failed. But we never gave up on the idea. So several years later, I reintroduced a bill called GOMESA, Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act, that only had one piece of it because we just felt like it, we couldn't pass the other pieces. It actually had only two pieces, revenue sharing for only the producing states and um, a portion for land and water conservation. And we were successful after years of getting that passed in 2004. So the basis of GOMESA, Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act, is a simple concept that Gulf Coast producing states should be treated equally on the same par as states that produce oil and gas onshore, states like Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, when they drill on federal lands in their states, uh, those states keep 50%. When Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama allow drilling, or at least cooperate with federal drilling off of our shore, right now we would, you know, before GOMESA, we would get nothing. GOMESA passed, but a cap was placed, and so now our efforts are to lift that cap. But that's sort of the history of it. Mm -hmm. And a many, many different environmental and business organizations helped to move us to this place. It's very bipartisan. 
and we're really pleased with the progress that we're making to lift our cap now. Terrific. So in 2006, GoMesa passed and initially set up a, a policy where 37.5% of qualified Gulf revenues are shared among the four Gulf mm-hmm. uh, produce, energy producing states. Um, and then 12.5% went to Land and Water Conservation Fund. Yes, but those percentages are very misleading okay. because they are targets, but they're not true in the sense that there was an there was an arbitrary cap of $500 million placed on top of that. So while the goal was to get a true 37% for us to share and a true 12% for land and water, which would be a total of 50 the other 50% going to the federal treasury, mm-hmm. it doesn't really work that way because there's a cap that sits on top of that 37%. So truly what we're doing right now is getting about 4%. So we should be getting 37 but because of the cap, we're only getting about 4% of the revenues from the Gulf of Mexico. The total revenues are about... billion a year. Um, The total to the four states last year was um, about $214 million. So, I mean, you can do the percentage, but it most certainly isn't 37. It's more like 4%. So, that's why we're back to say to the federal government, we thank you for passing Go Mesa. It's the right thing to do. We want to be partners in production, and we also want to use our money, at least from Louisiana's perspective, on our Um, shoreline restoration, coastal restoration. In fact, our state constitution in Louisiana requires that every dime we get from GOMESA, from the federal government, as well as our BP settlement funding, goes into a coastal master plan. Some of that can be used for some coastal infrastructure, but it's basically targeted, restricted, and very popular in this way with, with business community with environmentalists with republicans and democrats and mayors and it's it's very popular to have this money dedicated for this source now texas and mississippi and alabama are a little different um they use their money a little differently but for all good mostly good causes i think (laughs) um you know i can't verify what every penny spent for but in louisiana our money is going for coastal restoration having said that There is a true battle going on to go ahead and lift our cap and get a true percentage of 37% or actually our bill asks for 50. So we'd really like 50. We want to fight for 50% just like New Mexico, just like Wyoming, just like Utah, um, and hopefully we'll be successful. And we'll get to that. So that's the, the, the Coastal Act, which is a great acronym for the Conservation of America's Shoreline, Terrain, and Aquatic Life Act, the Coastal Act, that Senator Kennedy has led, but a number of other senators have gotten to. Um, but did want to stick on the sort of original construct of GOMESA um, and a little bit on Land and Water Conservation Fund. I think it's important to know that Land and Water Conservation Fund, as the name implies, does fund sort of important uh, coastal and, and non-coastal restoration areas. Yeah, and I think the history um, is note, should be noted that in around 1965 or 70 or so, the Land and Water Conservation Fund was created. 
but it was never truly a fund. It's basically a concept, and there was it's it's like the Social Security. It's really a fund. It's, they say it's a trust fund, but it's not technically a trust fund. The Land and Water Conservation Fund, when it was created, said if you're going to take money out of the land or take resources out of the land, you should contribute something back. And so the money was tied to it, but not in a mandatory way. It was arbitrary. And so what GoMesa did for the first time was tie that mandatory funding to offshore oil and gas um, revenues that support full funding of land and water. The Land and Water Conservation Fund, as many people know, supports parks. Mm -hmm. Um, purchase of new federal land. It supports refuges. It supports um, restoration of forest lands. It, it it goes. It's not just spent by the federal government for federal projects. It's distributed by formula to all the states based on their populations and their land mass. So in Louisiana's case, when land and water is fully funded, which it only has been once in the last forty years, we would get about seven point two million dollars a year from the state side. We'd get very little from the federal side because we have no federal land. So what Louisiana is saying is, since we're the ones producing this money, Texas is producing it, Louisiana is producing it, Alabama and Mississippi, we deserve a fair share of these revenues and are happy to share the rest with non-producing coastal states or land and water fund or parks maintenance or whatever the issues are, but we need our fair share. And I think I think that's a strong position, and I hope people can understand the merits of it. So GoMesa, huge step it, for the first time, really tied uh, coastal restoration dollars to offshore energy production. Mm -hmm. It also tied this land and water conservation fund, which can be used for Correct. anything for federal land purchase, increasing conservation to building playgrounds, yes. helping people get kids outdoors. So great step. Um, but uh, the drawbacks were that it, it was – only provided 37.5% of qualified Gulf revenues. So that had two issues. One, that it was only certain, right. certain it was of very the limited. It was very limited to the new, new drilling areas coming open. It wasn't applicable to the other 40,000 wells that had been drilled. And in addition, the cap was just, I mean, there's no cap for Wyoming. There's no cap for Mississippi, I mean, for New Mexico. In fact, um, New Mexico last year, one state, one state, New Mexico, made uh, or was sh the, the sharing for them, the portion that they received was over a billion dollars. New Mexico received $1.1 billion last year because of the oil and gas production on federal lands. They got to keep 50% without a cap. See what I'm saying? We got 37.5% with a cap, and the cap is so low, it really equates to 4%. So they get 50, we get 4, we're fighting for justice and fairness, and we're going to fight for 50% for Texas, Mississippi, and Alabama. And then the other 50% can be shared with land and water, it can be shared with parks maintenance, it can be shared with wildlife programs. We are open to any of those ideas as long as the people of Louisiana, Mississippi, because the impacts, the pipelines that run across our shorelines, you know, the helicopter pads that uh, provide access to this drilling in the Gulf of Mexico. I could go on and on and on with the impacts, canals that are dug through our marshes. And so we believe we suffer those impacts 
and we should share in the benefits of the production. So let's dig into this, this Coastal Act. So Senator Cassie's Coastal Act, I mentioned there's a number of other Gulf senators who have co-sponsored it, would increase that revenue from 37.5% to a full 50%. It expands the amount of the area that gets drilled to that mm -hmm. included, and then it lifts the overall cap. Um, and so you and, and a coalition of folks from the Gulf are, are actively seeking to move this forward. Can you talk a bit about what you've been doing and how this bill is moving forward? Yeah, and let me just say that the Coastal Act by Senator Cassidy builds on the fundamental principle of GOMESA, which is revenue sharing for the four producing states in the Gulf of Mexico. It does exactly what you said. It expands our request from 37% to 50. It lifts the cap, so we actually get a full 50%. But it does not, quote, expand drilling. Drilling, it's drilling in the same places that has always been. It does not expand drilling into Florida. It does not expand drilling on the East Coast. It does not expand drilling anywhere. It just applies the, the uh, sharing applies to more leases than the restricted portion that was forced on us in Gomesa. So we, we, the, the way to think about it is if the Coastal Act passes, which I think it will hopefully sooner than later, it will give us a true equity, a true 50% true equity with the interior states, period. So it uh, doesn't increase drilling, but it would move more money from the general treasury back to coastal restoration, certainly something that most coastal advocates would support. But I know in Congress that can be challenging because of the need to try mm -hmm. to keep budget. New bills yeah. should be budget neutral. How are, how are you guys handling the well, budget Well, it's been, been very interesting. Um, there, are two, there are two other bills that are floating through the Congress. One is to tap into this particular same source of revenue that I'm talking about, that $4.6 that's produced off the shore, tapping into it for the maintenance of national parks. Mm -hmm. And nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, very few people are talking about an offset. Mm -hmm. They just want to, you know, reallocate the funding. Land and water is moving through as many sponsors with no offset. So what we're saying is if those two bills are moving through to tap into these resources, that's fine. We need our fair share of 50%. Then what's left, we're happy to share with land and water, which would be 50%. Parks maintenance, wildlife, there are other uses that members of Congress are talking about and um, for the benefit of the whole country. And then the other piece of the, uh, the Coastal Act, it, it also has been tied with, I know Senator Murkowski from Alaska has supported it because mm -hmm. there's increased revenue sharing for offshore drilling in Alaska. Can you talk mm -hmm. about that at all? I know it's a bit outside of your No, no. Yes, I, no, I know. Um, Senator Cassidy and Senator Murkowski are the lead sponsors of the Coastal Act, and, and she is the chairman of the committee, so she's quite powerful. And she understands because Alaska is an oil and gas producing state as well. And so while Alaska has revenue sharing onshore, mm -hmm. it does not have a, um, a legal framework for offshore revenue sharing. So that would provide that for them. The drilling offshore will not happen in the near future. Everything has to be permitted. It has to go through you know, environmental reviews, et cetera. This bill simply says 
if and when that ever happens, doesn't say it shall happen, it just says if and when it ever happens, then Alaska gets a portion. I'm pretty sure it's a 50%, but you'd have to check mm -hmm. um, the records. I'm fairly certain it's 50, it, it could be more for, uh, for Alaska. But then the rest of the revenue produced would flow to some of it to the land and water, some of it to potentially parks maintenance, and some of it to the federal treasury. And so this, this bill, the Coastal Act, has passed, uh, we're recording in mid-December, this has passed the Energy and Natural Resources Committee mm -hmm. in the Senate. Any sense, you said you're optimistic it'll pass soon, any sense of, of prospects for whether the bill will move in the Senate and sort of any House uh, expectations for 2020? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic because I'm just always an optimistic person, uh -huh. but I, but I want to qualify that by saying I'm cautiously optimistic because I could see a really amazing coalition coming together with the folks that are supporting land and water, the folks supporting parks, the folks supporting funding for wildlife, and pulling all that together to put a really terrific piece of legislation together. That would be justice for the states that are helping to produce the funding, and most of that money would be coming back for shoreline, coastal restoration, and some, you know, appropriate economic development along our coast and help for our fisheries and, you know, in communities that really have impacts from sea level rise, et cetera, et cetera. Planning, you know, um, uh, smart development, planning, um, uh, making sure that people that live on the coast can live there safely by having proper elevations, maps. I mean, there's so many things that go into elevation maps. and. Mm -hmm. Um, to help our coastal people live safely and live and thrive, not live in a deteriorated economic fashion, but thrive in an increasing economy. And that is a challenge, and that's what this money is designed for, to flow back to these communities, these counties, these cities, these states along the coast to really help build levees, levee protection, um, diversion projects, flood walls, both green and gray infrastructure, and we're trying to be as environmentally sensitive as we can. So I'm very hopeful because, A, it's very popular with the public, very popular across party lines. Um, these these ways of, of allocating these federal resources have support from the outdoor industry, um, hunters, fishermen, it's, it's just a, an amazing coalition from, like I said, bi the business community to the environmental community. And I think when you get that much support on an idea that's just simple, it's just about sharing like we were taught in kindergarten. I mean, if, you know, the federal government shouldn't be keeping all of this money and then spending it on the operating budgets of the federal government. In my view, they should share the money with the states, the counties, and the cities, and use it for conservation and investments in our beaches, et cetera. And you can do beach replenishment with these funds, which is something important to your organization. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and so my organization, ASBPA, has taken a position that if there is offshore energy production, whether mm -hmm. it's oil and gas or you know, increasingly looking at offshore wind, offshore wind, that that money should go back and benefit those coastal communities that are, are maintaining Absolutely. Uh, that so, so why should why should the people of Massachusetts put Massachusetts put up wind you know wind turbines, generating let's just make it up generating two hundred fifty million dollars for the federal treasury, mm -hmm. and all that money go to California, is that even fair? No, 
That is exactly what happens to us. We put these oil and gas wells into the Gulf. All of that money basically, let's say, goes to New York. That's not really true. But, but <laughs> we're like aggravated about that. We're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're the ones that are the host of production. We're the ones taking the impact. We should share it. We're happy to share it with you, but please don't take all of it. So I did want to ask you sort of one of the, the, the counterpoints, which I, I understand and I'm sympathetic to, so I want to hear how you respond, which is um, the concerns that increasing revenue uh, to coastal states from offshore drilling, offshore energy production, actually incentivizes further drilling, thereby increasing a dependence on fossil fuels when, in fact, fossil fuels are driving climate change, which are one of the leading problems for coastal communities to begin with. So how does yeah. this not perpetuate a fossil fuel-driven cycle? Okay, first of all, um, we hear that all the time. So let me just say a few facts. In the coastal bill that Senator Murkowski and Senator um, Cassidy have introduced, there is no expanded drilling. There's no areas of expanded drilling. It's the same areas that we've been drilling in since the 1940s in the western and central Gulf and slightly in the eastern Gulf. That's allowed now. There is no authorized authorization for expanded drilling. Those areas are going to continue to be great resources for this nation. The people, our people, have been drilling, like I said, since the 1940s. We're not going to slow down. We're not going to... I mean, the market will drive whether people drill or not based on capital, you know, et cetera. And so it's not really ex expanding it in any way. It's just, as I said again, I know I sound like a brokered record, it's <laughs> just sharing those revenues with the communities that are hosting it. Um, whether you share it or not, Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, and Alabama are going to continue to host these. It's what we do. It's just like, you know, some people put up wind, wind turbines, some people want to put up solar, some people want to put up hydro, some people like dams, some people don't. I just don't see any possibility that this can be shut down. It would be bad for the economy. What I can see is capturing this methane, which we do very well in the Gulf. They do less well onshore. We can drill in a more um, environmentally sensitive way, new rules and regulations, particularly after the BP oil spill. Um, minimize the impacts to the environment, and then move to more green fuels and more uh, solar and wind in the future. But there's going to be a role for petroleum and natural gas for many years to come, and we should just do it in the best, most productive way possible. That seems like a great, a great way to end. Thank you, Senator Landry. You've been a, a supporter of Gulf funding from the time you entered Congress and, and even having left Congress, uh, continuing to rally the troops and fight the good mm -hmm. fight. So thank you for your work on this and thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for your organization and all the support. For those that may not know my background, before I started at American Shore and Beach Preservation Association, I spent nearly five years working on coastal Louisiana restoration. I started with a campaign called the Restore the Mississippi River Delta campaign, which included a number of uh, environmental and conservation groups nationally and in Louisiana right after the oil spill happened. And so a big part of what I was working on was making sure that the federal government 
put the fines and penalties that BP had to pay back to Gulf Coast Restoration. And that largely resulted in the Restore Act, as well as the NERDA and, and National Fish and Wildlife Foundation funding. But I had the pleasure of working quite a bit with Senator Landrieu during that effort and really got to know and respect her. She is a, uh, I hope she'll take this positively, but a bulldog when it comes to making sure that the Gulf Coast gets every penny it needs to restore the, the coast. And, and I think you heard that in that interview. Uh, the next interview we will be doing is with Director Joe Spragans. Uh, director Spragans is, is the Director of Marine Resources for the state of Mississippi, which is the agency responsible for uh, much of the Gulf Coast restoration. Mississippi, like many states, has a couple of different agencies that partake in that uh, or participate in Gulf Coast restoration. Um, but he heads up the marine resources, and he'll tell a little bit about uh, why GOMESA is important to his agency and how they are using funding from GOMESA. Director Spragans, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, we're talking about GOMESA, the Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act funding. Um, and I want to dive right into uh, why you think it's important for this revenue from offshore energy production to be used for coastal restoration and resilience. Well, uh, you know, the coastal restoration, the, the issues would happen if something was to happen in the oil fields or something happens in the outer continental shelf. It's going to come straight onto the Mississippi Gulf Coast or the Florida, I mean, the Alabama Gulf Coast or the uh, Louisiana Gulf Coast or Texas Gulf Coast. And we would, uh, we need this to be able to help restore what is causing the issues. And also, we uh, we do lose some tourism issues for it because of the uh, aesthetics of what it looks like in certain areas. And we need to be able to offset that also. Terrific. Um, and how... So how does that funding actually get used? So in Mississippi, you're the, the director of um, marine resources, the Department of Marine Resources. How is your uh, agency using the funding from GOMESA? What, what are the kind of work, what kind of work, what kind of restoration are you putting it towards? We have numerous projects that we look at. What we do is basically we ask the, uh, the lower three counties is the only place that we can spend this money. And uh, by law, by, by the bill, uh, the GOMESA bill, and we ask that, uh, that they give us the uh and put proposals in and let us give us a proposal of what they would like to do of any type restoration project or anything that would help and uh to be able to uh, offset mitigation from the outer continental shelf and mm -hmm. uh or any issues and uh, they give those to us we look at them we look at them as a group and then uh as the agency and say uh, the governor had appointed a three-person team and, and the three-person team is the head of Department of Marine Resources, the head of Department of, of Environmental Quality, and the head of uh, the Department of, of Development Authority for the state. And to look at these uh, different projects, decide if they, number one, do they meet the criteria for GOMESA? If they meet the criteria for GOMESA, then we uh, look at it as to which and rack and stack them for the governor and ask them how we feel like this one fits best of what we can do. Uh, obviously, this year we had, in the last two years, I think we've had over $160 million worth of requests, but uh, we only received a total of about $47 million for the state of Mississippi. So we have been going back, looking at the projects, trying to decide which one best fits for what would work for Mississippi. We do that, then we send it to the uh, Attorney General's office and ask them for an opinion. I'll let the Attorney General's office and tell us that, yes, it does or does not meet the criteria. 
And uh, once we find that, uh, we take them to the governor, the ones that meet and the ones that are chosen, and uh, let the governor look at it. And the governor uh, then racks and stacks how he wants to spend the money. And uh, we usually pick uh, five to 10 projects, depending on how much money it is for each project, and move forward from that point. So you said you get a you had about 160 million dollars in requests for about 47 million. So you're looking at almost almost four times as much in requests as the, the amount of money that you actually have in hand. Um, do you feel like you're getting good quality projects? Are you always able to you know have a, a bunch on the top uh, that that you feel comfortable funding? Oh, we always have a uh, we have a lot of projects that meet the criteria and need to be funded. And we only have so much money. And so uh, we obviously look at other ways of trying to help fund them. We look mm -hmm. at ways of marrying the money together with uh, other like Restore Act or any other mm -hmm. fund and trying to find a way to uh, also and also with Tidelands Fund that we use in the state of Mississippi. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, there's no way that uh, that we're going to ever be able to do all the projects. Mm -hmm. uh, not out of one fund, out of Go Mesa, but what we can do is use the uh, it and between it and other projects. Hopefully, we get some of them funded, and uh, maybe down the road even get to get additional funding for it. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I know you're in charge of looking at all the projects and helping decide on all the projects. But it, do you happen to have one on on the top of your head or any that you could mention that you think has been really successful or things that might not have a project that might not have gotten done without some Go Mesa funding? Well, there's several of them. I mean, we're doing some water quality issues mm -hmm. and uh, where we're being able to go in and uh, basically change the, the water quality in the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. That is, and we have uh, looked at it with a lot of different projects. Uh, there's a lot of issues like with uh, sewage and drain that okay. are being done through the Restore Act. And we're basically working with them to help do some water quality projects. Uh, we're also looking at some education projects that we're using that probably would not have done. And uh, basically we're talking about where we build areas that people are being able to learn about the uh, marine life and mm -hmm. uh, being able to study uh, also different types of, uh, of habitat and marine life. Uh, these things probably would not have been done without the Go Mesa. And when you're talking about education, you said marine life. So this is all conservation education, education about the, the, the Gulf Coast resources. It's not just sort of general education it's it's really conservation and marine education right yes but it but it's also located too with the fact of uh being able to educate people about what uh what the meaning to have uh marsh grass is why is marsh grass mm -hmm. important for us why is it important to have the marshes in the gulf of mexico why is it important to uh for the aquaculture and the different types of uh, animals and uh, fish that live in the gulf what are the importance for each of those and uh, those are the type of things we're looking at that's terrific. Um, so you mentioned this is you're using some of the other funds, Restore Act, uh, other funds that are coming to the Gulf Coast. Um, how are you working with your counterparts? So you're the head of the marine resources in in Mississippi. How are you working with your counterparts in Alabama or Texas or Louisiana? Are you guys working together on this or does this tend to be sort of Mississippi deals with Mississippi projects and Alabama deals with Alabama projects? As far as the Go Mesa, most of the, the, the state to state. Mm -hmm. uh, because each one gets a different amount and they and each state has different programs of how they like to operate. Uh, as far as Restore Act, we are working hand in hand with other states. Uh, we work with Louisiana and work with Alabama mainly because but Texas being a little bit further away from us, 
but and the reason we do that is uh, we feel like that if the more that we can get to where both of us are two of the three or three of the four that are working together, the more that we can get working hand in hand as for one project, then the odds of getting that funded in the Restore Act is greatly, you know, helps it. And uh, just to give you a project we're working on now, it's called the Biloxi Marsh. And it's an area just south of the Gulf of Mexico that uh, has basically deteriorated over the years uh, that has a lot of marshland. It's in Louisiana, but it's called the Biloxi Marsh, which is a Mississippi town. But what we're doing is we're working hand in hand with Louisiana to try to find a way to get money together to restore that. And so it, mm-hmm. because it will do two things, it will help uh, the marsh build marsh in the Gulf. But it'll also help with the salinity of the water and how we uh, how it uh, operates in the Gulf, and it'll also bring more estuary there to be able to feed and uh, and grow more aquatic life. That's terrific. Yeah, we often talk about on on this uh, podcast how you know marshes and wildlife they don't know where political boundaries end, and and water doesn't stop. Coastal water doesn't stop at the the, the state or county boundary. So it's great to hear you're working with. Um, with partners across other states. Uh, so one question I had for you, one of the concerns I've often heard uh, about GoMesa and funding and some of the funding that's going to the Gulf Coast right now is that there is a tremendous amount of money going to Gulf Coast restoration following the, the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, um, coming from the Restore Act, coming from NIFWIF, uh, the, the NERDA penalties that are restoring the direct damage. Um, so as, as we consider whether or not to increase the amount of money coming through GoMesa, why should the Gulf Coast uh, get more funding, more than they've already got right now for restoration. How would you respond to that? Well, it goes back to the same thing I just told you earlier at the very first, that we have 160-something million dollars of requests just for GoMesa that mm-hmm. we can, and we right. only have 40-something million in uh, money to be able to uh, help, you know, offset any of those requests. Then the requests are continuously coming in, and, and it's not something that's just that 160-something million that's going to be mm-hmm. over with. They are, there'll be uh, new requests every year. Uh, the Gulf of Mexico really took a uh, a tremendous beating whenever we had the we had a, several things that happened to us. And if you look at it, and you go all the way back to 2005 when Hurricane Katrina came in, and it devastated the Gulf Coast, but it also mm-hmm. devastated the aquatic life, and it de- devastated a lot of the uh, estuary on the Gulf Coast. Then about the time we start building it back, we have a uh, the oil spill, and the oil spill comes back and devastates more. And so now you've had one on top of the other. Since then, we've had this thing, the uh, the flooding with the Bonnie Carey, which is a spillway, and it's caused uh, us to have a tremendous amount of loss of fisheries because of it, and also some more estuary. And uh, I can tell you that, uh, you know, that it never stops. And uh, if we and, and I, I personally believe if you gave me a billion dollars tomorrow, I couldn't. There would be no way that I could restore everything that's going to be need to be done on the Gulf Coast. Yep. And uh, it's that need. There is so much every day. We're losing marshland every day, and we got to rebuild that. And it's going to continue to take it. And um, the the money that is being brought in is no different. If you look at uh, when we're asking for the increase to go from 37.5% to 50% for the states, if you look at that, that's no different than what a state gets when they're asking. When If you have a oil field in the middle of Oklahoma, the state gets at least 50% of that, you know, of the revenues off of the taxes. Right. And so 
Also, we're asking is to basically be treated the same because the Gulf of Mexico is part of the state. And it, and we, it is very vital to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I'm sure the Louisiana, Texas, and Alabama Coast also. And we have to, if the more money that we could put back into rebuilding things to bring it back to where people can come back to nature and see what's happening and the fisheries can come back, the better off we will be and the better off the states will be. So, uh I think that uh, there is no, you know, also, if you look at the um, the NERDA monies and the uh, restore money, all it's going to end soon. And, you know, that mm-hmm. was only a small amount, 10 to 15 years. And uh, this is going to eventually end up going away. And uh, but the uh, oil fields hopefully will stay forever and we'll be able to continue getting revenue from them. Uh, since you mentioned the the bill in Congress to increase uh, the Gomesa revenue from thirty seven and a half percent to fifty percent back to states, what kind of response have you uh, have you gotten from your members of Congress, from your senators, or from your House members? Uh, uh, both our, our senators and our House members from the Gulf Coast area have all been very uh, proactive behind this. Uh, I think that they have uh, uh, helped us a lot trying to move this forward. Uh, also, I, I've really not heard any negative from them about it. Uh, I think that uh, it's like anything else. Uh, you know, it just takes time to get through Congress. Right. Right. Yeah. And you guys certainly had a, a champion in, in Senator Cochran, who is chairman of appropriations for many years. And, and I know it's it's uh, it's always tough to lose someone who's had that much um, influence. But uh, certainly I've certainly enjoyed working with Senator Wicker's office on a number of coastal issues. So Well, and Senator Wicker's over the Commerce Committee, which helps a lot to understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And so he does have some uh, say so about what's happening in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. And that helps us a whole lot by having someone with understanding a bit. And, yep. uh, and you know, if you look back, uh, Senator Sidney Hyde-Smith had a lot of agriculture background, and, uh, and a lot mm-hmm. of this is agriculture, too, and uh, understands a lot about what to do with it. And, of course, Congressman Palazzo has been involved with it from day, you know, for numerous years. Sure, sure. Well, um, Director Spragans, thank you so much for telling us a bit about how GoMesa funds are being used in Mississippi and, and sort of why it's so important for Mississippi and the whole uh Western Gulf to uh, make sure that Gomesa funding is um, is increased and, and available. Uh, I really appreciate you joining us today. Anything else you'd, you'd like to share? No, and uh, just uh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, uh, we had a uh, an issue uh, recently with the blue-green algae and want everyone to understand mm-hmm. that the Gulf Coast is back operational 100%, food safe, and come eat it. Fantastic. Will do. Looking forward to some Gulf shrimp tonight, hopefully. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Director. I'm so grateful to Director Spragans for joining us on this episode. Uh, Director Spragans is actually a retired brigadier general from the United States Air Force, so he has spent much, uh, if not all, of his career in service to the United States, whether it was defending our country in the military or working to restore its coastline. So really appreciate him taking the time to be on with us today and talk about his perspective on Gulf Coast restoration and how, how they're working it in Mississippi. Uh, Our final interview today is with Commissioner Connie Hudson from Mobile County in Alabama. Now, uh, this interview, uh, Commissioner Hudson had to actually call in. So we're talking, doing this interview over the phone. So the the sound quality is not the best, um, but I hope you're able to stick with it. She has some really good perspective on what's happening locally with GoMesa funding and uh, really appreciate her being able to come and talk to us to give that local perspective as well as to give an Alabama perspective. 
Gomesa is often associated most closely with Louisiana because it does get the bulk of the Gomesa funding. But both Mississippi and Alabama, who have rather small coastlines, are still getting and using millions of dollars a year in Gomesa funding and obviously have critical coastlines that are eroding and really the epitomized working coastlines of integrating ecological restoration with economic development. And we'll talk a little bit about that with Commissioner Hudson. So uh, enjoy. Commissioner Connie Hudson, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about Gomesa. So we've heard from a couple other folks about Gomesa and wanted to get your perspective as a local county commissioner about why you feel like Gomesa and increasing the revenues from Gomesa are important. So let's start with that. Why do you think it's important for revenue from offshore energy production to be used for coastal restoration and resilience? You know, for the last two decades at least, we've heard very clearly from the Mobile Bay stakeholders that to them, nothing is more important than preserving our coastal way of life and protecting our water quality and our coastal habitats. And that coastal way of life is very closely tied to having access to local waters uh, for recreation, for uh, commerce, for commercial fishing and oystering. Uh, There are a lot of jobs that are dependent on having a good quality water system and a, and, a, and a healthy watershed. And so to us, it's, it's absolutely critical to have the funds to be able to address uh, conservation, land management programs, uh, water quality and testing, and just the whole plethora of uh, watershed uh, protection issues that we face on a daily basis here in the, uh, along the Gulf Coast. Certainly when I think of Mobile Bay, I think of a working coastline, uh, bringing together all the things you mentioned, fishing, uh, you've got a big port, you've got shipping, you've got, um, and then it's certainly a beautiful recreation area and an ecological area. Uh, can you talk about how the county and, and you uh, work to balance some of the drivers of that? How do you balance maintaining a a good environment with also maintaining a productive and economically important environment? Well, absolutely. It is a balance. It is something that we have to, that we have to be, we realize how important it is to be good stewards of the environment because so much uh, is dependent on uh, the quality of our, our water, the quality of our natural habitats and protecting those. And, uh, you know, like I said, between uh, the commerce of our port, we have the 10th largest port in the country, and we have a lot of uh, commercial business coming in and out of the port. So we we do a lot of monitoring on our our bay waters here. And, you know, when we have offshore drilling, and off of uh, in, in the Gulf of Mexico and out of outside Mobile Bay, you know, we, we want to be very careful to make sure that that water is monitored and, and it stays healthy because it affects our, uh, our whole ecosystem, our whole environment here. And, uh, and part of the funding that we get from Bill Mesa is, is absolutely critical 
to help us do that monitoring process. So if you can, I would love to hear a little bit more about that, if you can talk about what what the GOMESA funding, uh, and I know in the past year you got Alabama got about 30 million. I think it might've been a little bit more, but in the vicinity of $30 million, how is that money actually being used? What are some of the restoration or water quality projects that are you doing? And it's been used in a variety of ways. Uh, we have used it to develop a um, conservation land management plan. We do the, uh, we do water monitoring, storm surge monitoring. We've used it for recycling programs. And, uh, and, and uh, one of our properties here at Lake has been to, to uh, use a portion of the money to improve public access to local waters for recreation in open spaces. And we have acquired uh, some additional property, waterfront property uh, along the river for development into improving it as a, a park for uh, boating, for kayaking, canoeing, tubing access. And these are big, you know, our, our citizens here are, are very, very interested in any kind of outdoor recreational opportunity, particularly waterfront. And, and so we have really um, made that a focus, at least over the next three years, to focus Go Mesa money on helping us to be able to provide that uh, access, that waterfront access. And when you talk, when you say us, are you referring to the county? Who actually proposes the projects um, that get funding through GoMesa? I know the state has to approve them. And can you talk maybe a little bit about the process for developing those proposals? How does the county decide what to propose? The commission, we have three county commissioners, and we have uh, an environmental engineering department. We work very closely together to identify uh, projects that, uh, that meet criteria for GOMESA for uh, providing better stewardship of uh, natural resources. And so we together work together to develop a plan. And right now we have a three-year plan in place. Uh, that, that identifies areas that we want to uh, see uh, improvements uh, in our in the watershed and in our basically our natural habitat and, and everything pretty much throughout the county that uh, that's part of our environmental uh, program. And so we have developed that plan and we are working towards uh, several different initiatives at once. And those funds have uh, have come into play to help us to be able to uh, achieve results and in, in getting those projects moved forward. And if the proposal in Congress now is to both expand uh, the amount of funding coming back to the Gulf states and potentially raise a cap, although the cap has never been hit yet, so what would it mean to Mobile County to see an increase in funding from GoMesa? Well, we. Uh, we certainly have a lot of projects that are waiting in the wings, so to speak. I mean, we, we've tried to lay out what is what we think is uh, feasible and doable with the funding that we are anticipating over the next three years. But there are a lot more uh, projects that uh, we would like to see move forward, and it would help us to be able to move those forward at a faster pace with more funding. And uh, you know, it just it. It all comes down to uh, the resiliency of, of coastal Alabama 
know, our backyard is the uh, bays and the bayous and the marshes and the shoreline along uh, the Gulf of Mexico. And so it is so very important for us to, to do everything we can to keep those that habitat, that, those watershed areas, healthy and uh, productive uh, for economic reasons and for recreation reasons and for health reasons. We want a healthy environment for our citizens. And uh, so we are especially vigilant with the drilling that's going on and what we need to do to make sure, to ensure and to monitor that, uh, that the environment stays healthy. Director Spragans uh, with the Mississippi Department of Marine Resources talked about how they are working to try to leverage GoMesa money with some of the funds coming in via the Restore Act or some of the other monies related to the BP oil spill. Um, but they're doing that at a state level. At a county level, are you able to leverage that money or do you have other, op- other sources of funding that you can use to uh, sort of leverage or expand the money coming in from GoMesa? Absolutely. Uh, we, we are also uh, utilizing Restore Act money. We have a Blue Way uh, project that was funded uh, through as one of the Restore Act projects. Uh, I think we, that was an $8 million project um, that we are using funds from that as well as Go Mesa to put some activity for uh, public access to water and uh kayaking and canoeing uh, routes throughout the county that are interconnected. And so that uh, we are utilizing those funds plus uh, general fund monies and, and bond monies. You know, whatever, wherever we can find money to put towards getting these projects completed at, uh, uh, as soon as we possibly can, that's what we're doing. But definitely Restore Act money has come into play. Um, so I think my last question is a little bit more on the politics of this. We're talking about how uh, a bill that's moving through Congress that would expand GoMesa. Um, Senator Doug Jones is a co-sponsor of this bill. I saw that Senator Shelby is not, or hopefully is not yet. Um, what has been, uh, y- what sort of responses have you got from your members of Congress in terms of support for this legislation? Well, I had the opportunity to come to Washington uh, about a month or so ago and speak to a number of the members of the Alabama federal delegation uh, in Congress, and mainly to make sure those who represent areas outside the the coast, that they understood how the importance of of this bill, this Coastal Act, and what it would do, and uh, and what it would mean to coastal Alabama. And, And I think the reception was very good. Uh, I think it helped improve understanding of, of where those funds are going and how they're being utilized. And um, and I think it also brought some awareness about the, the disparity, I guess, uh, for, better, for lack of a better way to put it, of, of how offshore and onshore drilling revenues are shared with the states that are involved. Uh, I know that the bill would increase uh, the share to the, the four coastal states from 37.5% to 50%, which matches what onshore drilling states are receiving. And um, and also would remove the cap from $375 million. And I think those are very, very important steps. We, we support that initiative and we'll do everything we possibly can to um, to take that message to our legislators and to get hopefully to get them to support it as well. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, Commissioner Hudson. You were certainly very eloquent in speaking about how the Go Mesa Act funding can help support and restore the Mobile Bay ecology and economy. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Thanks. Thank you for having me. A final thank you to all my guests today, as well as to Tyler Buckingham for facilitating some of the recorded conversations that we had I'm based in Washington, D.C. and so wasn't able to meet with Commissioner Hudson or uh, Director Spragans in person. So thank you, Tyler. And I hope everyone enjoyed the episode. Tune in again soon for more episodes of the Capitol Beach where we will dig into specific policies and politics and procedures that help govern our coast with decision makers that are in charge of it. Thanks so much and have a great one.